Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 339, and it's a little Friday bonus special. I've not done a Friday bonus in a while, right? Today's guest is Shannon Murphy, and the opportunity came up to interview her, and it was one of them. A lot of you will know, I'm really picky on my my guests, because... An hour, a 60 to 90 minute conversation. I always feel I need to be the right person to have that conversation, right? So if there's someone that I'm kind of new to, I know a bit of their work, but not much. I often feel someone else should be the person to have that conversation. But I was pitched, Shannon, before I'd watched her film Baby Teeth, which comes out today. And I kind of said, look, it's unlikely I'm going to be able to make it work. I'm not that familiar with Shannon we talked about having Eliza Scanlon on, and I was like, I'm not that familiar with Eliza. Um, I'd love to have Ben Mendelssohn because he's one of my favourite actors. He's in Baby Teeth. And they came back saying, look, I watched the film and say what you think. And I watched it, and it blew me away. It's so beautiful. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. So I said, look, we might not be able to do a full episode, but I want to just have this conversation because I'm excited about this film. I know it's going to be in my films of the year list at the end of the year. Um, there's only two films that have made it already. I always, those who know, I do an end of the year film list. I On my phone, I list every film I go and see, every new release. And I put a star by the ones that potential might make it onto the end of year list and I put two stars by the ones that there's no doubt they're going on there and Baby Teeth and Calm With Horses are the two that have got two stars at the moment so yeah anyway long story not that short we set up a zoom chat with Shannon there were a few all I've got is the zoom audio I don't normally do that I normally get the guests to record their end but it was the evening over there um and I just wanted to have this conversation and I figured as it's kind of a half hour chat, the Zoom audio isn't going to be a problem. There might be some glitches. It might sound a bit funny at times, but it's worth it. And I think you're going to really enjoy this chat because I don't know, man, I I felt a real connection. I can't speak for Shannon, but I felt that all the references that she was making was stuff that I don't know. I got it. It's 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 the the same outlook on filmmaking and how this this weird industry should be um, traversed. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop rambling because this is meant to be a mini episode, and my intro alone is going to make it a, a, a double episode for fuck's sake. Anyway, this is Shannon Murphy on the Distraction Pieces podcast. And here we are. How's it going? I'm 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 joined today by Sh- Shannon Murphy, and we're on a bit of a, a time difference. So I appreciate you giving us your evening, essentially. Yeah, it's um, it's eight fifteen at night. Not too late. Not yeah. so bad. So yeah. As as so how's it all going? How's I mean, we're here to talk about your debut direct or feature film direction, um, which I absolutely adored. Just I'll, I'll start with Baby Teeth. Um, how's it been kind of building up to this in such strange circumstances? This isn't going to what be how you had things in mind initially, right? Look, definitely not. Um, I, you know, I don't think anyone really saw this coming, but... 
I am finding it quite fascinating watching how, you know, the cinematic world responds to it. And um, it's just come out in Sydney, which has done really well other than Melbourne, which is in full lockdown now. So nobody can even go to the cinema there. But then, you know, in the US, you know, it was a mix, people going to the cinema, then some people watching it on VOD. And I think at least the themes of sort of cocooning around loved ones and really paying attention to what's sort of precious and, and important in life um, are almost more relevant now than we could yeah. have ever imagined, I think, you know? Yeah, completely. That makes perfect sense. So uh, you, how was it um, making the film? Because obviously you've directed loads of amazing TV. You're known for, 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 for working on Killing Eve, which is obviously amazing. Um, but film... TV by its nature is a faster process than film at times. You need to kind of snap through things. I, I, the first bit of acting I did was on a, a feature film and then I had f- three TV shows after that. And I was like, oh, right, this is completely different experiences. I'd, we'd had this film where we've got all this time on every scene. and Yeah, it's a different experience. How was that as a, as a, a director to adjust? Because you're the one that has to lead that change, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, it's really weird because I, I start off in theatre and that process is really slow. Yeah, yeah. And then I went to TV, which is like the complete opposite. And I really <laughs> thrive in that sort of chaotic, intense, adrenaline rush environment. And I realised that, um, yeah, it was actually uh, more, I was really suited to that medium of television. And so the luxury of doing film was that the pressure is so much higher when you're doing film because, you know, everyone's going to blame you if it doesn't go well. But... I think what's nice about it is the post-production time is yeah. really different. Yeah. The shoot, I'd say, honestly, not that different. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I think these days, you know, shoots are tight for films. You know, budgets are tight. You pretty much, I mean, <laughs> the budget of Baby Teeth would have been the equivalent of one F of Killing Eve, you know, for sure. And so I think that's not that different. And the calibre of actors is no different these days. Everybody's crossing over and doing both and the heads of department are all quite similar, but it's definitely post-production where you feel a big difference. Yeah, that's really interesting because there is is such a quick turnover. Um, do you feel that was an exciting thing to explore? Because, again, I, I, this is going to be the last time I reference Killing Eve because cause I want to focus on the film. But Killing Eve is so kind of sharp and quick and, and, and Baby Teeth allowed you to let scenes breathed to let characters sit in the moment um and it didn't it doesn't feel like it had to be quite as here we are and 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 cutting i guess yeah and i was really lucky though with killing you because actually look you know what i'm actually referencing is australian television because we have no time in post basically we have a very short amount of time the uk you guys actually do it really well you have a really nice amount of time in post for television um and killing eve was like that but i was really fortunate that i had an episode which was ep5 called um are you from pinner which was like a mini feature and the pace of that was quite different to um other killing eve apps so then i also got to do ep6 which was a much more kind of classic killing eve romp and that energy of that edit is different but interestingly my editor from baby teeth cut my apps of killing eve oh, he's really? australian yeah so they were really awesome and let me bring him over i mean he's british as well but um oh that's fantastic so who's who's kind of influenced you as a director and 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 is it different in who's influenced your your approach to tv and your approach to film is or is it a big mesh of of influences 
Yeah, look, I think, you know, with television, when I was starting out, I was watching a lot of the director because I was really new at it. I was really tracking the directors who were around me in a season. And in Australia, I was watching a lot of people, um, Emma Freeman and um, directors that we have that are just very uh, good with actors. Jess Hobbs, who does The Crown um, in the UK. She's actually a New Zealand Australian director. And they were the people that I was watching uh, and Dana Reed, who now does The Handmaid's Tale, they're all Aussies, but they were um, people that I looked up to. And then with film, I really, every I think it's different. Like for Baby Teeth, we had such strong references for direction and visuals and sound world. And they were um, things like uh, we loved the sound design of Breaking the Waves because it's so raw. Yeah. We really loved the camera work of um, A Woman Under the Influence from Castavetes and the beautiful lighting and strength of the cinematographer director relationship of a film like American Honey. Yeah, definitely. And then like the night out for Baby Teeth, we, we often would talk about Victoria, which is a German film that we love so much. Um, it's, it's one of the greatest feats of cinema in, in history. And before I moved into acting, I did music and a lot of the music videos I directed, I did them as one shots because I'm obsessed with just the trick of it. So for yeah. Victoria to be this one shot, but also the moment at the piano, like have these moments of just absolute, like you feel you'd need to shoot that a hundred times to get that performance. But the fact that they got it all in one thing is, yeah. And that incredible moment where they're on the bikes and they get off the bikes and I'm like, how did the how did the cameraman do that? And I'm not be able yeah. to tell when they got yeah. on or off the moving vehicle. It's just, it's amazing. It's I love it. But it definitely had that in, in, in the dance scene. I also kept thinking of of the energy of like run lola run and stuff like that that had that kind of just the 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 beauty of and allowing a character to find themselves in front of us it's really weird i think in a lot of tv and cinema the actors feel pressure to find to deliver a complete character yet in real life we don't have that we go through these moments of realizations and exploration and that was a beautiful scene for that because she is kind of at one point sad at one point hurt but then excited and then free and then all these different things in in one go rather than having to come and go here's how she would be in a club you know because she doesn't know yeah and I think it's that's what sort of scared me about Mill at the beginning I was like wow she's just constantly shape-shifting she's all these different things how is the audience going to then connect and sit with oh I know who that is and then I was like I actually don't need to worry about that because, like yeah. you're saying, that's not how people are. And I can just let her fly free. And Eliza's the most incredible uh, performer. And so, um, yeah, we just really went with it. It was it was wonderful. And, yeah, she had to establish who that person was before he came into her life with no dialogue and all visuals. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many st- stunning performances in this that I kind of want to go through um, kind of a few of the actors individually. So, before we get to, as I said, because I think the character of Moses, as you say, it just jumps instantly off screen. But b- b- before we get to that, before I watched the film, I saw B- B- Ben Mandelson was in it and he's just, I feel he's one of the best in the world right now and certainly someone I just study carefully to try and, and learn from. So how important was it having people like Ben and Anessie Davis bringing such experience to the set for the for the younger actors and as your debut as in a feature did that add some kind of grounding as well to know you had 
some people there that were so that you could just tr- trust to do do what they do so much. Definitely. I mean, I remember on the first day of the shoot, Ben's so funny because he's really elusive, and when he he does a lot of really generous gestures, but then he always kind of pretends like he hasn't done them because he gets embarrassed. And so it was the first day and I'm sitting there behind the monitor and he just runs over and he gives me this little thing of chocolates and this tiny bilby, which is an Australian little animal, a stuffed bilby. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And before I could even turn around and thank him, he was like off and, you know, on set, you know, ready to go. And I thought that was just such a lovely gesture to say, he was as excited for me that this was my first feature and he knew how important it was. It was really lovely. Um, and Essie, you know, and Ben, they're just amazing because Essie, you know, has such respect for the theatre world as well. And I think, you know, she felt like she was in safe hands with me because I'd done theatre for so long. But I just, I didn't feel for a second like they weren't 100% trusting and that yeah. makes all the difference, you know. And I I think because I've been working with actors for so long and I love them so much, I don't get the fear of working with big, amazing caliber people. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm totally giving them everything they need and they don't feel like they're not um, supported 100%. And, um, but to have them there just, yeah, was extraordinarily comforting because I knew, you know, no matter what we were shooting, they were going to deliver gold. Um, yeah. And I gave them the freedom to just keep, you know, playing and pushing themselves. Because even with the greatest actors, they want a lot of direction. To think that you should just sit back and let them do their thing, I think, is not doing yeah, a job. of course, yeah. And, you know, when you've got a mix of two, inex- well, they're not inexperienced. I mean, Toby has done so much work and Eliza has, you know, been smashing it, but they're so young. But yeah. to watch them watch each other and kind of be in awe of what the other offers is yeah. really interesting, yeah. That's what felt beautiful as as well, was to have such two such respected and experienced actors there who were very much happy to sit back and let these two raw, amazing talents just shine and take take the scene. No attempts to kind of overshadow or overpower it. It's very much, we know that there's a certain comfort in a performer to be able to go, yeah. I know what I'm doing here. I know I know my role here. L- let's be the, the base f- f- for these to shine. And you mentioned Toby, who as soon as the character of Moses is on camera, is just, you can't look away. I He first came to my attention, again, or speaking of Australian a, a TV, in the in the Romper Stomper a, t- a TV adaptation, and he makes me think of, in the UK or and, and Ireland, of Joe Gilgan or Robert Sheehan, in the way that there's just something there that you can't look away from. It's just so exciting and electric. So how was it to, f- to find y- your Moses, I guess? And then, yeah... Look, you know, it's interesting you bring up Romper Stomper, the TV show, because that was what I watched him in. And I went, ah, interesting, because he's got a real, you know, darkness and an edge to him. And then what I really wanted was to see the sort of generous, softer side of Moses. And when I auditioned him, he was just so extraordinarily generous to the other actresses. Like most actors, no matter what, of course, they're thinking about themselves in the audition because it's so stressful. They want to get the role. You know, the pressure's so full on. And I could just see that the way that he coped with all that was to just constantly give to the other person in the room and make sure that they felt comfortable. And I thought that generosity of spirit was actually at the heart of who Moses is. And um, it's just also so Toby, you know. I think, um, you know, there are just those magical people in the world where even when you're around them in person, you just don't want to stop having great fun with them. They're just such an amazing spirit and so open and honest and 
yeah, he's he's like that in real life, and he's a he's a very beautiful person and a, and a and a great thinker. You know, he's got a real directorial brain himself. He wants to be a director as well, and he um yeah he so he 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 comes at it from that perspective like he can say straight to you what he needs like before he goes on for a scene he'll um say to me you know tell me exactly where I am in this moment and what I'm doing and what so I just talk to him and and like kind of psych him up psychologically about where he's at and then I just walk away and then he enters the scene and he's got it all amazing amazing and again I think it's it's so key for that that character to have that that likableness that you can't can't put your finger on because essentially he's the, the, that character is traditionally a villain in film and TV. It's like we do that with with homeless people, with drug dealers, with drug addicts, with s- sex workers, all these roles that in reality have a huge variation of the kind of people. There's amazing, beautiful people in all of those roles, yet yeah. for some reason in drama they seem to have been refined down to here's the scary v- v- villain. So... Yeah. To have someone so instantly likable, it felt like you didn't have to dr- drill home the. No, he's all right. He's yeah. he's a nice guy. It was like no, just he can just be who he is, and there's no there's no hiding from it. Yeah, because like you know, so often it's it's taking away the complexities of who those people are, and that they can still be really beautiful people. Just because yeah. you have a addiction problem doesn't mean that you're not one of the most amazing people on the planet. Like we all know people that that struggle with that, and um, they're also great people. Like so, the representation has been so I think incorrect over the years, and that was something we really wanted to focus on. And that's also why everyone in that family has an addiction problem in one way or another or is taking medication or, you know, because um, it's like who are you to point the finger was a big part of the message that I, I really liked in the film. Yeah. So so, so you touched upon the casting process then. How was that? Because, um, again, you've got two very young lead characters, so it's going to be a case of finding the right people, right, and who you think can can step up and take that 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 role yeah and it's interesting because often you know they say when you're casting a family or you know two people who have to be in love you know you better do chemistry tests and have them in the room and I just do not believe in any of that quite frankly because I don't think you can have people force chemistry in an audition environment like as soon as they know that they're there to show that they've got chemistry I go well there's the chemistry's gone then isn't it because it's all whatever you're going to witness is false so I always just cast and go it's going to happen because that's why we're all here. You know, I've got the skills I've got, the actors have got the skills they've got. And then together we will create that whether it's there or not. And you hear stories all the time about people who can't stand each other, but then they've got extraordinary chemistry on set. I mean, we didn't have any of that. We all got along famously, but I go, you know, I think um, it's about just going who is right for this role. I mean, yes, with Eliza and um, uh, she, you know, she did need to kind of look a bit like her parents, but you know, and magically sort of Essie and her have the same bone structure. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, it was just getting the the people who had the essence of these characters right. And for me, Essie is just, she's such an amazing actress, but also what she does have is this extraordinary understanding of what it is like to have a divided heart as an artist and a mother. She's got two twin girls. She's constantly, you know, um, having to juggle that and her career and her husband's career, Justin Cazell. You know, it's a very complicated, big, sprawling family life and career. And so I love that she, you know, knows what it's like to struggle with how to be there 100% for your children and also get to be this wonderful public, you know, icon in many ways. And also, you know, I just love that Essie has played such um, 
extraordinary female characters that are dealing with, you know, different levels of um, their sanity slipping away from them in one way or another, but not in any judgmental way and in a way that makes you completely understand why they are what the way they are. And I, I, for me it was really important that Anna wasn't judged critically in any way because I felt I could understand. Yeah, I can completely agree. I thought all the characters, again, in a lot of other films there would have been a lot of potential to, to judge them, to judge their choices as parents to judge um, Moses' choices, all these different things. But it felt judgment-free and it felt like a world, again, a more realistic world. I love what you were saying there about chemistry and chemistry tests because I've definitely come to be of the school of thought that it's the characters who've got the chemistry. So if I can find that character, then the chemistry is there. It's It's in the writing. It's the characters, even on the emotional front, again, in... Actors love to kind of learn the trick of I can cry on cue. It's like, I don't need to cry. The the character needs to cry. As as long as the character is emotional and and I found that character works. So I guess what I'm jumping to there is what drew you to this script? Because when you're casting like that and approaching like that, you're having to put faith in the fact that the script works because you're basically saying, well, I'll find the characters and then it'll work. And if... If the script happened to be bad, then that might not work, but yeah. it does. So, yeah, w- what made you go, right, this is my first feature, uh, this is what I want to make? I think because I read it, and when I read it, I I was crying for quite different reasons. <laughs> I was crying because I could not believe when it finished that it, I, that was it, that I could not spend more time with those people. Yeah. I felt like I could keep reading about their lives and how they were dealing with all this for so much longer. And I thought, God, the only way I can spend more time with these characters is to do this film. And then I know at least I've got the next two years with them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was what, yeah. And when I, it doesn't happen to me often, but when I read something and I know it's right for me, it's like an illness. I can't stop obsessing about it and with this one I was like oh I just have to get this and I thought that they were talking to like you know probably 70 other people and so when I rocked up for the interview with Jan and Alex and they were like yeah no we're just talking to you if you want to do it I was like brilliant (laughs) (laughs) okay great I was was here to fight I was was, was ready to go for this this is amazing (laughs) yeah so that was that was really great to not um yeah they, they felt that I was a good match as well. And they just wanted to, you know, talk about casting and things and make sure that that fit was right. And so it, it was, which was good. I mean, yeah. we've, I've, I've, I've held back as far as I can, but let's talk about Eliza Scanlon because what, what a lead performance. Um, and she's someone who started off in your kind of, your, your home and aways, but in recent years is blossoming with, Sharp objects and little women, and now this is a, a a role where she's right at the front. And as you touched upon, it's a hell of a role to to take on because there is a lot of variation. Oh, there's a lot of nuance. But I, I mentioned earlier, kind of actors having that excitement of of trying to cry, of being able to to, to cry on camera. And what I've learned quite quickly is humans spend most of their time trying not to cry and that's that's the more beautiful thing and similarly with Eliza's character 
it's it's one thing to play a fragile character, but it's another to play a character that is trying so hard not to be fragile. And that's yeah. what she does so well, I think. It's not going, here's this fragile character who's got these specific issues and challenges. She's she's fighting against it constantly. And that just made it such an amazing a performance for me. Yeah, she's really incredible because Eliza is so academic and intellectual and, like, just so incredibly versed at doing things like, you know, she learnt the violin in three weeks and, you know, so many um, cerebral uh, elements uh, going on with her. But what's incredible is often with that you then get an actor that can't always just drop into a moment because they're so in their head. Eliza really doesn't do that. She is so um, able to then be so raw and, and committed in the moment and... I think that's incredible. And it also really reflected Miller because she is wise beyond her years because in many ways she's been parenting her own parents because when they're not coping with her situation, she sort of has to rise to the occasion. And it's only in that scene where they all start fighting with one another and she realises what they've been hiding from her about Moses that um, she gives up in some ways being the adult and allows herself to say how disappointed she is and then from then on gets to just call the shots more herself and... um, claim the space and story she's been wanting to. Um, But I think, yeah, Eliza will be around surprising us for an incredibly long time. I think she's just got so much power within her to um, play so many different kinds of characters. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's she, and also she's so free in not being vain in any way, which I love. there was that moment um, where Moses was doing a drug exchange and she was sucking on the lollipop by the pole. And it was just one of these nights where I was like, oh, that scene is just not quite working the way I want it to and we've probably only got 20 minutes left. And I'm, oh. And in those moments um, I just always, for the actors, and I go, I don't know. I, it's just I can't put my finger on it but it's driving me crazy. I, I need We need something else and I don't know what the answer is. And Eliza's like, yeah, yeah, go away, go away. And it's brilliant because she's like, I've got it. And I was like, great, I just know she'll give me something great. And she <laughs> did that face where she was like, or whatever yeah. the ridiculous, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I just thought, oh, my God, that was so Miller and so perfect. And then the way that Toby then responded to it and just all that beautiful just uh, exchange with no dialogue, I just, yeah, you just have to really, I think, be honest when you haven't found the best solution and hand it over to the actor yeah. to do that. Did you feel you 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 could find that family more or with a with making a feature because tv is an odd one where as you said you you drop in for an episode here and an episode there and as much as all acting jobs is this kind of intense fast intimate grouping of people that then you go off and live completely separate lives with it from the way you've been describing this it feels like you really had this this was all of us making this film it was it, it was all of us together and that feels like it might be different from sometimes on TV where you're having to just, I'm here for one episode or I'm here for two or whatever else. Yeah, look, I think it's also about the environment you create on set. You know, with a film, um, particularly like an indie Australian film, you've got a really small crew. But also, I I mean, I like in Australia that our crews aren't too massive in television too. And actually, Killing Eve is similar. They don't have an extraordinary yeah. huge group of people there. And I think the the less 
people you've got surrounding you and involved and running around. And I'm not saying that they don't have jobs to do. Of course they do. But when you can keep as concise as possible, you can create that environment because it's not just about the environment of the family in front of the camera. It's also the family behind the camera that gives everybody that feeling um, that they're in a safe place to do whatever they want and everyone's there just holding them and enjoying being there and supporting it. And I think... um, it's, it's so much about the personalities behind the scene too. You know, I, I love making sure that all my crew have um, a great sense of humour and a real respect for everyone. But, yes, I do think that film gives you a bit more opportunity to sit in that because you're not usually jumping as many locations and scenarios or people. Like there's normally you can have a smaller, you know, cast, which I think is where you get to really benefit from this nice special time you have with them. Yeah. I love it, and I'm not obviously uh, we're not going to give any spoilers. But the last scene between Mila and 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 her dad just just jumped out, and it was it was kind of a prime example of as a director finding a way to capture these small and intimate moments because that scene, emotion wise and story wise, is huge but it's played out so small and intimate and so it's whispered it's it's it, it has to be essentially a whispered so how do you go about kind of cultivating and finding that ease for people to 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 express these smaller more intimate moments rather than again in you your experience initially is is theater and theater has to be the, that much bigger camera allows you to be that much smaller because it can be right right on you how yeah how do you build that that atmosphere to 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 capture the nuances I guess well it's interesting because that's why you know I picked such an epic opening shot to that scene yeah because the content and what that moment means is so huge but then how it actually played out is so small and delicate and I think um with scenes like this with actors you know oh it's everyone feels it on the day they're like here we go this is this big scene and we kind of know what it's supposed to do, but we don't want to think about that. And I love it when um, people don't then become really reverent on set, like, shh, they have to get there, they have to get, like, that's the worst. Like, there's nothing good about doing that for an actor. Yeah. Um, and what's great is, you know, Ben's really clever at countering that in such an extreme way that he would, like, have his little boombox there. And I just remember this great moment where he was playing Chuck Adimus and the pliers tease me <laughs> and he was getting him... <laughs> and um, Eliza to just do this, like, amazingly ridiculous dance. And it was great. That's kind of what we would do between takes. And, you know, sometimes I think, um, you know, actors can hold the weight and the pressure of what they need to do in those moments. And, um, you know, it's the director's job to to take that pressure off them and also to keep guiding them um, because when emotion, when content's so emotional, they, you know, they're so in it, they can't quite tell what they're doing, quite frankly, and they shouldn't have to worry about that. That's not, that's not their job. Um, so they just have to keep staying in the moment and connecting and listening. And, um, you know, it's, I think with scenes like that, it's often so much about telling them to pull it back or like you were saying earlier, it's not about, the, it's not about the moment of crying. It's, mm. it's, a, it's about the moment before. It's just, it's about not wanting to go there or, and it's finding all those variations because you also don't know until you're in the edit really which level is going to work. So I always think it's best to get the range of them and then you can 
you can put it together later. You know, in terms of theatricality, I often think always go big as well because you can always come back from that, but don't not give yourself the option of that bold take. You know, and some of those bold takes can be accidents. Like I love the moment at the dinner table where Ben drops his spoon in the soup and like shocks himself and panics and then Essie bursts out laughing. And like I was like, genius, it's so perfect because that's exactly what would happen at this dinner table. Yeah. Um, so things like that I think you just also have to always be in tune to and make sure you capture that and don't don't miss out on those magic moments that are that are accidentally happening on set. How often do you feel you know in the moment a which take is the take and how often is it you get to the edit again often months and months or a year down the line and go oh right I don't even remember us doing that take but that is the take how how yeah what's the balance there I think there are times where you really know when it's the take um for example when Anna and Henry are having cake um, in the morning and then Moses comes out of the bedroom, that scene, th- there was just a take we knew. Yeah. Uh, and I could tell from all the crew members' faces, I could tell from how Andy had been operating the camera, we just all felt it and, and that is the take that's in there. Other time, you know what's so weird? I hadn't watched the film since the BFIs and I watched it the other night in um, Brisbane because it opened in Australia And because I've seen so many versions of the film, for the first time I had forgotten that some scenes had been taken out. Right. (laughs) It was quite weird because I have seen it so many times. But because it had been a while, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, that scene went. That was actually also quite good. I mean, absolutely I would never want to put anything back in. I love what we've got. Yeah. But it's like I was able to forget it and rewatch it again for the first time and it was kind of interesting to think that, you know, with everything that you make in this medium, there are alternative versions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love that. You so you spoke earlier of of the camera work that 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 you liked going into this. Stylistically, it, it you know it looks stunning, and the looks the the poster of Eliza with the the wig on and things like that. How was it to find all of that? Because there, it felt like there were elements of. It felt like true romance and it felt like so just some real beautiful style choices, I guess, and, and look choices. How was it to find that to go, we want this to be recognisable, if you know what I mean, as itself and as yeah. these as these outfits, as these obviously you've got the 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 terminal illness story gives you the ability to have the option of, of wigs. Yeah. which is a wonderful thing to play with for a character. So, yeah, how was it to come to all of that and, and decide the look that you were going for? Look, you know, we talked a lot about, um, so I have two amazing designers, Amelia Gebler and Cherie Phillips. So Amelia does costumes, Cherie does design. And we talked so much about how, um, well, we love bold colour. That's always been our thing. So I did a yeah. boxing TV series just before that with Amelia and she just goes really modern, really vibrant with costuming. And that was a, a, a Muslim boxing story. And we had all the young um, female boxers in just like the coolest Adidas bright wear, you know, and she's just, we just love going, oh, is that too much matchy, matchy pattern? Or are we cla-? like, but we just like to, to really go as far as we can because, you know, you want to create those iconic images and looks and really honour what that period is saying but at the same time we wanted the world to be really timeless yeah. so that no matter how it went on the film didn't age 
too much and also that everyone, no matter when they were a teenager, could feel like they connected to the different looks. So we often looked at the kind of costume palette of, say, um, Eggleston's photography because that is so um, modern looking still, but obviously it's not today. Then we, with the design, Cherie just really did that extraordinary house so well. It was an original um, mid-century home that had never been renovated, but she had to do all the carpets and the walls and, like, the interior design was completely different. And, yeah, we really wanted to create a cosy environment, but also with all that glass that still could feel quite stifling and it's suffocating at times for Miller, like she was a trap, you know, bird. And I guess, you know, what I do with my heads of department is we always go on a retreat um, before pre-production starts. And so Andy, our cinematographer, was there and, and Shereen and Amelia and I, and we just eat and cook for each other. Andy cooked this huge fish the first night. Shereen made Negronis. And we just eat and drink and watch movies and talk and look at photography books and um Andy had these beautiful sort of uh Japanese photography books with quite celestial images and I remember him saying I love this idea of her just looking out the window with this incredible shaft of light across her face and we always said we've just got to get that we don't know exactly what we're going to do with it just yet but we have to put (laughs) that in you know and we, we did it and um I said it's got to have no sound now in post. I was like, it's a minute with absolute silence. And, you know, we just kept workshopping things like that. That we, I always say to my creatives, come with something that you really want to try and we'll just capture it and do it, you know, and we'll work out later in some ways where it goes. But we want to feel like we've experimented with something that we haven't done before. I love that. Yeah, Andy Commerce is the most extraordinary cinematographer, though. I've, I've admired his work for so long. Um, he does so many different films and they all look very different and, and it's all about his connection to the director. He's, he's yeah, an amazing artist. I love that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap things up as, as I know you've got a fair, few, a fair few after me as well, but as we kind of come to the end here, what's ahead? I mean, in, in general, when you've buried yourself in particularly a debut feature, it's going to be hard to see past that. Add on top of that a pandemic where every industry has just stopped for the moment. Have you got any? Has have you spent any of your lockdown kind of pl- plotting and planning what the dream path is when things become clear, or do you know what what's next? I would love to make another feature for sure, but because I don't write, I have to find it, and yeah. um, that's always quite hard. So I would say it probably takes me like two years of reading before Mm. I normally find something like a feature. But I'm lucky that I can do television in between that. And I love television because I'm always exploring new worlds and new performers and I can learn again and hone my craft every time. I'm going on to The Power next with Sister Pictures who made Chernobyl, which is a really huge story based on the novel by Naomi Alderman and it's um. You know, it's essentially sci-fi, but it's a really organic, very believable sci-fi, which is the kind that I really love, like, you know, the beautiful film Her or versions yeah. of the future that I can believe in, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's next, which is exciting if, if um, you know, pandemic yeah. oh, eases up. Oh, when things allow. But, yeah, well, that's yeah. perfect. Well, thank you very much for, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. You too. Thanks for your great questions.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Shannon Murphy. As said, go and watch Baby Teeth. I loved it. I really loved it. You will have heard from the conversation. We managed to avoid spoilers there. Go and give it a look. After this chat, I tried to find anywhere in the UK I could watch um, On The Ropes, uh, a a mini-series that Shannon directed because she mentioned it briefly and I looked it up and it looks fantastic so um yeah it's not out in this country but I'm going to keep an eye out because I only like to watch things legally (laughs) call me crazy but yeah thank you very much this has been a mini episode um I hope you enjoyed the full episode this week with the young offenders and I'll be back next week ta-ta